Hey, this is Doug Stanhope, as known from nothing, and Greg Wah and Dan Bestiality. Is that how you said it? Yeah, that's exactly right. They should know better. You should know better than to be listening to this drivel. Welcome to this episode 89 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science Comedy. and ignorance. I'm Greg Wall. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode... Oh, what are we doing in this episode? <laughs> in this episode, I'm going to talk about the perfect eyelash length. And I am going to be talking about salt water. And I'm going to tell you where to run to when the zombies come to get you, if you live in North America. Plus a brand new segment. <laughs> I hope we've got... Time for it. Oh, I like, I like, like yeah, that was good. That yeah. Was good. Yeah, it was very good. But before we get to that, who was that introducing our podcast? That was Mr. Doug Stanhope, a comedian and obviously impressed with our podcast as well. He is one of the most self-deprecating comedians ever, mm. and yet still he managed to peg me below himself. <laughs> That's right. He's and by ha- the way... He's happy low status, sad low status, I'm not sure. Thank you, Girl Clumsy, for yeah. egging him on. Yes. <laughs> You're useless. <laughs> it's quite fun to be ragged on by Doug Stanhope. I really like him as a comedian, and then to take a, a mouthful of abuse as well. You're like, yay! Yay. I mean, that's what I love him for, but Yay. not on an not immediate me. one-on-one basis. I wanted to point at naughty politicians and people who ruin society, not us. We're, yeah, yeah. we're on his side. Oh, Punch man. down, Doug. Punch <laughs> down. Uh, so what have you been up to this week in science? Well, it's not what I've been up to. It's just something that happened in science and made me go, oh, fair enough. It, it, Mars One. I don't know if anyone's heard. You've talked oh, this Mars. is the one you were so excited about. Yeah, you signed for... up for it. Yeah, I did. And then you're yes, ready for one of the most exciting challenges of to humanity. go to Mars to die. Basically, not, to, not that's what people say. You're going to go to Mars to die. Well, you're going to live for a long you're time go on to Mars. Mars to live, live to and then, truly live, and then die amongst uh, dirt. And, well, that's where, and, and carbon and, and some robots. That'd be fun. Go mess with the robots. That's what you're there for. <laughs> just mess with the robots. Here there are robots on Mars. I'm going there. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. But. It's all just kind of come out now. One of the, the front runners, one of their, their shining stars, has come out and gone, yeah, it's all rubbish. So that's really There sad. is no Mars. There's no Mars. So Dr. Joseph Roche... It's uh, actually just a assistant, pinpoint of light in the sky. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in the set, dome of the set, sky. Set in the crystal sphere, that's right. So Dr. Joseph Roche, an assistant professor at Trinity College School of Education in Dublin, basically has come out and said, yeah, it's uh, basically a big scam. It's, they have no technology, they have no money, they have no scientists working on things, there's no plan to train them. And really what they're saying is, you send us money to join up, which I did stupidly. I gave them thirty bucks to do that registration mm-hmm. fee, and then if you got chosen, which I didn't, then you will be asked to do interviews and things. And they come and said, "Oh, seventy-five percent of all royalties for your interviews, any money you make based on Mars One goes to Mars One," and that seems to be it. There's nothing else. It just means nothing. He's come out and gone. I all these non-disclosure agreements, which I'm breaking, and not, they're all it's a big scam basically. Or if it what, didn't start off as a scam, they have no idea what they're doing, and it's basically now a scam. Oh and dear! I, and I went, oh, it's so sad. I mean, it's such a great idea, as in I'm really excited by the concept. But part of me went, damn it, humans, humans, why? So anyway, Mars One, we need to stop giving attention to it. I think now because I think now it'd be them saying, no, we're good, and we're going, no, you're bad. I've been saying that for years, Greg. Yeah, I know, I know. But now we have a real reason with the real science behind it to go. We Stop talking about them now, and hopefully they'll go away, and someone else can sort of get in there and actually do it properly. 
<sighs> uh, I hope we find a scam about Neanderthals too. That, Neanderthals having sex with humans. Yeah, yeah. That'd be brilliant, yes. Yeah, then we would Feathered dinosaurs? Talk about them again. A scam about feathered dinosaurs? That'd be good. Yeah, well. I can I, I've been crossing my fingers a long time. <laughs> what have I been up to? By the time that you hear this, listener, we're gonna have finished our play. That's which true. we usually don't talk about no. our theatrical stuff too much on this show. Yes. No, uh, we, we, don't. we pimped it a little bit. We did, but we don't like too much. And now we're doing it at the start for some reason. Well, uh, there's a very good reason. Oh, okay, good, good. Because one of the cool bits about this is I've been introduced to this uh, party popper thing. Yes. So, I mean, usually you get little party poppers, you get these little plastic cone and Mm. you pull it and it sparks off a little bit of gunpowder. Tiny, tiny little bit of gunpowder. Pops a couple of streamers in the air. Mm. But now you and Girl Clumsy introduced me to these things that are, they're, they're like 30 centimetres long. They certainly are. They're like five centimetres across. Yes. And they're powerful. And you twist it and yeah. like, there's like this, this, this blast Boom. wave that, yeah. that, that hits you when they go off. It throws massive numbers of streamers at everyone in the whole wide world. It's, it says don't point it at anything closer than 10 metres away. Yeah. And it means that. It means that it's not mess- it's not one of those oh you know mm. thirty centimeters no no it's gonna hit and it's not gunpowder is it no it's no a compressed air canister yes yeah we looked and it when apart. you twist it it punctures it and then just it doesn't go- puncture it no it's got a it's got a twist lid basically on it and when you twist it it twists it off and it, then the air pressure blows the lid off and it, and it fires the air out very quickly. all right yeah and that's why they go wrong occasionally <laughs> shoot you in the hand yeah yeah you got banged in the hand yeah, I really did yeah because we uh, we unpacked ours and then packed them with flour. To give a more explosive kind of feel, like a big explosion. But you pack too much flour in, the force can't, or the air can't push it all the flour out, and it pushes out the bottom or the side, and it blasts out the side and hits you with the metal bits, which is a bit painful. So we've learned that lesson pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of excited by that. Like yeah. that's a that's a cool device that so, didn't exist ten years ago, and is very dangerous. It's kind of dangerous. Not dangerous enough to stop theaters letting you use it. Yeah. And another thing I did. Another thing that this week in science is when you turned up to my place this morning, you found me mopping the garden. You had a steam mop out. It looked like Dan was yeah, steam mopping his grass. Yes. And when I asked him, Dan, what, what's that? It's a steam mop. Why are you steam mopping your grass? I'll tell you on the podcast. Well, now's that time, Dan. Uh, now's that time. Because I have many weeds in my garden. Right. And I, I've used every weed killer that I can get my hands on, mm-hmm. and they never seem to work very well. And But one thing it does work is pouring a bit of boiling water on them. Because uh. it basically flum... No, not flambays it. It broils it. Or blanches it. Blanches it. That's uh, what it does. It blanches yes. it. Thank you, Kenji Lopez-Alt, yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can't just boil the jug for three minutes and then go and do two weeds and then boil the jug for three minutes and do two weeds. It's like, oh, if only I had some sort of device that just shot steam out like a high-pressure hot water gun type. Wait a second, I got a steam off in the cupboard. So I took the protective covering off and now I'm just sticking that on the garden to uh, to, to blanch the garden. And this is a proper thing. You can actually get industrial steamers well, to steam blanches. your garden. Yeah, garden blanches. <laughs> And it rolls over the top and blanches it. And then basically about eight days later, the it comes up again. Mm. But then you hit it again and it's gone. And then it just gives up. And it's just like, ugh, I've had enough. In fact, do you want to have a look at something I prepared earlier? Okay, let's do that. Okay. So Dan led me to his garden and pointed out places where the weeds were. And there were many and numerous and belligerent, quite <laughs> belligerent weeds. And then he pointed out the area he steam mopped. And it looked like all the weeds had fainted. Like... Victorian ladies yeah. having a fit of the vapors. They were like, oh, 
I do declare. And down they'd gone. They were just lying there looking a bit kind of sad and, and on the floor. So but you it, pour smelling salts on them, they just get worse. That's, that's exactly right. So it looks like it's working. Well, we'll, we'll, keep, you, we'll keep you informed, listeners, about Garden Watch. <laughs> Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was science-related was... Uh, it's, it's, only, all science related, it's all science-related, It's all science, science, comedy yeah, and ignorance but it, it, podcast. It, it just amused me that your reaction was so wonderful, was the discovery of this new ancestor to crocodiles. So oh, pre, yeah. pre-dinosaurs, they, these things are out there. So it's called the Carnifex carolinsis. And Dan was so... I, I read about it. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's kinda, imagine, a di- uh, imagine a crocodile, but with big, strong back legs. And it's just kind of wandering around on its back legs. going, hey, I'm a two-legged di- crocodile. But Dan, of course, gave up on dinosaurs because they were all feathered yeah. and a little bit too fabulous for Dan. Yeah. But now that he's discovered there's all these giant crocodiles that existed pre-dinosaur era. Yeah. And that when the theropods were like just turning up and were all small, they, these things were out there running on their hind legs and hunting things down. So it kind of looks like dinosaurs used to look. So these scaly, mm-hmm. big, two-legged, monstrous things that chase things down. And he was so happy. Yeah. Dan was so, so happy yeah. to see this thing. Oh, so. I just, I just the idea of a couple of podcasts ago, finding a crocodile crocodilian that could gallop. Yes. I was delighted. But now to have one that's like run around in its back legs. Yep. That Hang is out just in forest. And you know what? They're still around, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. They're still around and they're still kicking ass. And they're still not feathered. Still not feathered. <laughs> just like me. <laughs> I got enthused about a saline the other day. Right. Because I don't know what it is. Salt water. Kind of. It's just water with, yeah, salt in it. Yeah. But it's a very specific amount of salt. Oh. Because fresh water is considered less than 0.05% salt. Right, okay. So you can drink fresh water, that's fine. Up to 3% salt, that's called brackish. Right. You generally get brackish where rivers meet oceans. Yeah. Yeah, which is where, where, roughly where you live. Yeah, yeah. More information for where we're hunting down with Dan it. lives. Stop it. I'm just saying that. If you can, you could go around Brisbane now with some sort of salt detector, which are really um, you just get an inferometer which can detect salt amounts. Put a little bit of water on it and, and put it up to the sky. It doesn't they're really simple? About fifty bucks, and you could go. Huh, that's not that water is a bit too uh, fresh. Dan doesn't live here. Just keep wandering around Brisbane, finding the brackish water. Yeah. It. Or maybe just. Go near the ocean, that's, that's but not too close to the ocean. Well, don't, but don't make it even easier now for them. I'm trying to make it harder for them, Dan. Oh, all right. And that's where you get mangroves and stuff. Yep. Which are a weird plant. They, they can they, live next to quite. They can live next to the sea as well. Yeah, they yeah. And, they, and the they, they get air not so much through their leaves, but through these weird like, roots that sort of poke up through the, uh, the ground okay. and stuff. Like, mm. you know, if you've ever seen a mangrove, it's surrounded by what looks like knobbly thorns mm. on the ground. And that's how they breathe. I okay. Think. Oh, oh, I think maybe I'm I'm 100 percent sure that that's how they breathe. <laughs> right, and well, it doesn't make sense to me. Hang on, wait, really? Because because plants respire yeah. through the the, the holes oh, I've forgotten the call in their leaves. Yeah, and so they actually they, maybe it's how they get nutrients. Yeah, be very careful about that because because the gas exchanges through you know leaves. What? Everything else. The walk of shame's been a bit bit clear recently. <laughs> Why don't we just leave it there and let the audience let the audience work out how much madness is Dan talking about mangroves? <laughs> <laughs> Saline water is uh, apparently, oh God, get ready, audience. Yep. Saline water is definitely the same as seawater, 5%. Right. That's considered saline. But if you, if you oversalt it, mm. so it's more than seawater, more mm. salt than seawater, then that becomes brine. Right, yes, and brine's too much. Brine's very bad. So brine is up to 26% salt in the water. Right, yes. You know what happens when you put more than 26% salt in the water? It, it, it um, precipitates out. 
saturated. The water's saturated. Right. You yes. can't get any more salty than that. Yes. Yes. It's got to go somewhere. Yes. It's got. It all comes out. So the whole Fahrenheit scale. Yes. That's all about salt water. Yes. At 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 sea level. Hmm. Because that's easy. One to... atmospheric pressure. Yeah. So they've got to make sure it's the it's the same each time. And they yes. Go, okay. So that's when it freezes. That's zero. Because uh, if you get fresh water, it might be a little bit salty fresh water. But if you get briny water, you can't get it any more salty. Mm. You go, yep, that's fine. That's, that's the as, stuff. That's as salty as it can get. Yeah, okay, sure. Yep, okay. Saline is used because it is uh, sterile. Mm. It doesn't disinfect. Right. But it's it's sterile because organisms can't grow in it properly. They don't like salt, yes. They don't like salt. Yep. They're, they're not happy with that. They're big, they're big salt lakes, and they never seem to have any life in them. But you don't get shrubs on a salt lake. They can. There are some pretty hardy. There are there are extremophiles who can survive in massively salty environments. Oh. Uh, they're, they're basically, anywhere on Earth that you you can find life, you will find life. Oh, okay. Things that have evolved to to deal with amazing amount of salt. But that's, that's very specifically designed <laughs> to live to, to live there. Yep. But the reason I was thinking about this is because I have saline solution in my contact lens fluid. Yep. So I. There's a little bit of... It's all over the contact lenses. I stick it in my eye. And I my eye doesn't feel all salty and yep. stuff. And I was like, is that just salt water in there? And it's not. Eye drops have all sorts of stuff. And it depends on which sort of eye drops you get. But you, sometimes they've got steroids and antihistamines and sympathomimetics, sympatho- beta receptor blockers, hmm. a whole bunch of words hmm. that have, like, too many syllables. <laughs> too many syllables. Topical anesthetics. Yep. So all these sort of things that make it easier to... Stick it in your eye something and your eye. make it healthier to put in there. Yep, yep. But there is a thing called Ringer's solution, mm-hmm. and that is a specific saline solution that you mix to the exact ratio of salts that you have in your bloodstream. So that's yep. what you were talking about before. Yeah. What that is is it's isotonic. Right. Ah. So if it's but, but it's pretty they're pretty close there. The, the salinity of your blood is about seven point four percent, seven seven point five percent, something like that. It's very close to the water, the, the lower range of salt water, I thought. Yes. Yes. It's yeah, close. That's yeah, why close. you use saline. Yes. Yeah. So uh, right. that's, that's so you don't get a sodium, because if you have too much sodium, if you have sodium inside a cell, that's why you can't get freshwater fish, normally freshwater fish, yeah. can't go in the salt water, because all the salt goes through their skin, through the gills, and goes into their cells and ruptures cells and things so like that. So uh, that's hypertonic. Hypertonic, yeah. Hypertonic, because there's a, there's a ramp. And hypertonic, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. if the saline wants to balance out, mm. the, like the salts want to balance out. Yes. So if your cells have lots of salt and the water doesn't have much, the salt leaches from the cells. Yes. If the, salt, if the water is too salty, which is bad. the salt goes into the cells, which, which is also, also bad. bad. Yeah. Okay. So, so you we want it to be. So we're saying before, just to, just to, maybe I've missed a point here, but so we are saying that saline solution when pumped into the blood, our body, if you lose lots of blood and they want to keep your your pressure up, but so you don't die on the table, they can't put lots of blood in you. They put saline solution into you, and that's because, so that your body can get the pressure to keep and without without it reacting with anything else in your body. Yeah. Right. The osmology. The, osmolar- the osmolarity of normal saline is Os- 9 osmolality. grams... Osmolarity. Osmolarity, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Of normal saline is 9 grams of salt, or NaCl, mm-hmm. dissolved in water to a total volume of 1 litre. Yeah. It's a close approximation to the osmolar- osmolarity <laughs> of NaCl in blood. Mm. So thus, normal saline is almost isotonic to blood plasma. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, quite fascinating because yeah. I guess if you were loose, if you didn't have enough salts in your body, 
Yes. And the normal saline would just boost yeah. you up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So that. if you put pure water in, then that could... I wonder what sort of detriment that would be. Because you'd start losing salts. So you'd lose salts then, into, the, into your blood, yeah. And you need into, salts into the water. Yeah, absorb would, water. Your cells, your cells would, would stop functioning. I mean, they would lose oh, wow. the things in them that would let them function. I mean, you can't just suddenly lose... Because the stuff inside the cell would suddenly come outside the cell, and the things it's required would not be there anymore. So, and it's not just NaCl. I assume it would be all the like different salts, potassium salts. Yeah. They all come out, and then you, your cell doesn't work anymore. Beyond that, I'm I'm not a I'm not a biology guy. No. I just know it's bad. <laughs> That's all I know. Now you know what saline solution is good for. Uh, Hangovers. Really? Yeah. Oh, yes. I've heard this. Yes. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Oh, no, tell me. Tell me about so, it. So the, the, the idea that if you have a hangover, you, people with alcohol poisoning and that sort of stuff in, in hospitals, they whack in lots of saline into their system to, to rehydrate them very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you actually, or you can also put it to the butt. We've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. uh, so, and, and you can go through that way as well. But yeah, basically it's to rehydrate the body as fast as possible to get the bag around the brain. One of the, there's many different layers between your skull and or between your hair and, and the actual brain. And one of them dehydrates quite quickly and it's the whole pulling on it thing. And so it's by rehydrating, I thought. Maybe I was speaking crap. No, I've never heard that before. Yeah. But yeah, definitely rehydrating is great. Mm. It's really good for rehydrating. And there are actually businesses in New York and possibly in other places where you can call them up or book in advance if you're going to have a big night mm. and they will turn up on your doorstep at nine o'clock in the morning and there'll be a guy a nurse <laughs> registered nurse who could stick the thing in your uh, arm oh, no. and then rehydrate you no. after a big night out no it's just oh. what you think there might be problems there uh, part of me just wonder well, any kind of medical procedure is always a slight danger of, you know i don't know well i thought i'd talk to an expert about Ooh. that so i contacted our old friend dr watson yes and uh, he said uh, that with any medical intervention, we need to weigh up the risks and benefits. For one, we don't know that this actually improves your hangover any more effectively than drinking a glass of water. Mm. There are certainly no trials I'm aware of. Using it for hypovolemia... Damn it, all these f***ing science words. Under, I under wish I was on a volume. pop culture ex- <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Using it for hypovolemia, second to gastro or whatever, has benefit. So under not enough liquid in your body, hypo being under... Yeah. yeah, volume, yep. So that has benefit when you've been throwing up too much and, mm. and such. But due to the risk of complications and disease progression, it would be better managed in a hospital because you risk infection, mm. deep vein thrombosis, mm-hmm. air embolisms, mm. thrombophlebosis, mm. aerial vein anastomosis, fluid overload, all these things. Yeah, bad um, things. Many of these need pr- proper hospital treatment to correct. Mm. He says that it seems like a cute fad, but with no safeguards, there are... Lots of downsides and little benefit. Yeah, that does not surprise me whatsoever. Anytime you have someone, I'll come to your house and slam needles into you. You're like, mm, yeah, we're at taking least, you too far. We're taking least, you too far now. At least when it buggers up in a hospital, you're already in a hospital. That's right. And they go, uh, hypothromboidism, <laughs> and 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 they go, shit, do one of them code blue things. Well, they'll, they'll, at the very least, they'll know what to write on your uh, death certificate. Yeah, they'll know very very. Quickly. The guy just won't whip everything out and uh, of your arm and just do a runner That's for right. the hills. <laughs> Victor, I believe the war is over. Not yet, Victor. Be patient. You and your formalities.
there. Now the war is over. So now our job begins. But I'm not sure how to assess this one. I don't think either side is anybody left out there. So, we can't base it on numbers. And both sides were so brutal. Such atrocities committed against each other all in the name of what? What does it matter? Land or resource grabbing? Some historical slight escalated to murderous ends? Difference in tribal religious thought? Some exciting mixture of the three? Always the same foolishness. Yes, always foolishness. But we are the ones tasked to write the history of these events. Isn't that so, Victor? It is, Victor. It is. So, Dan, I noticed recently you have beautiful eyelashes. I do have quite long eyelashes. They, and I care for them, too. And they're quite lovely. They, I they... brush them with a little tiny brush if I'm going out. <laughs> so it's not like I'm not putting mascara in or anything, oh. but I'm, I'm, I'm presenting my eyes at their best because I think that my eyes have been historically a fairly strong feature That's right. and draw attention away from my chicken-like arms. Very nice. Now, do you know... Chickens don't have arms. Chickens, they, and their they wings, wings are mighty beating things. But not, but like, yeah, the Praying mantis-like arms yeah, is probably more... They're also quite strong. Life. They strike out and catch their prey and, and their lovers. Tyrannosaurus-type arms. Got it. They're also quite strong, just small. They were quite, they were quite powerful, what they could do. As in, you would not be able to wrestle the ha- arm wrestle in front of... I know what you mean. Okay, let's just move on. Uh, I love to arm wrestle a T-Rex. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to bite you. No, that'd be the safest would, place to be. He's like, arr, arr, he'd be biting the person behind you. Anyway, if you could choose to have eyelashes, would you have them shorter than they are, the same as you have now, or, or very, very long? Ooh, now... I mean, on one level, if they get too long, they start looking quite effeminate, and I start looking like a lady cartoon character. Is that a bad thing? Well, like, I kind of want to give off the air of, like, somewhat blokey and oh, rugged. Rugged. And, rugged. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah. so, so what's, your, what's, your, what's your take on what If you could do something, if you could say, I mean, women put in, mainly women, those people, people can wear. Women I mean, put extensions yeah, in. And also, I mean, theatre, I've worn eyelash extensions and things and for my eyes in the theatre. So you could definitely use them. What would you choose? If you could make your eyelashes any length, what would you choose? I'm pretty happy with where they are right now. And that's the correct answer. Yeah. Evolution has set this up for you very nicely. So there was a scientist. What are they for? What are they for? They keep salt water out of the eyes, maybe. No, but sweat? That's, well, no, not just sweat. They actually keep a few things. They do two things. They keep the eyeball hydrated, so they stop evaporation oh, wow. from your eye, or they limit it. And also they stop deposition of crud, basically. They stop things flying into your eye. Ah, from so, above and below. From, and also just well, basically you're constantly you know, waving your eyelashes around and just it catches Blinking. Stuff. Yeah, crazy blinking. So this, these eyelashes have a reason to be there. And someone decided they'd look into what do we have, what do humans have, and he discovered something really interesting. He discovered that most people's eyelashes are actually one-third the width of their eye. So if one you've got little tiny eyes... You have little tiny eyelashes. And, and great big eyes, like an great, anime character. Great big eyelashes. Giant cartoon anime character eyelashes. And then they extended. These people at Georgia Tech decided they'd extend this and looked at 22 different species of animals and discovered the same thing. So they went, that's a bit weird. So the the eyelash length seems to be one-third the width of the eyeball itself, which is really, really, really strange. And they looked into it. They tried to work out why. Scientists went, okay, well, group, sorry, of researchers at Georgia Tech said, okay, well, well, why? What's it doing? So they did experiments. They gave people longer eyelashes and shorter ones and with tests and balls. And what they discovered was really interesting. They discovered that it's the perfect length for 
minimum evaporation mm -hmm. and minimum deposition of crud on your eye, so things hitting your eye. Oh, if wow. your eyelashes get really small, then lots of crud starts hitting your eye yep. and lots of evaporation, more, more evaporation. Yep, that so makes sense. That's right. So your eyelashes well, get... So you want really long ones. Ah, and there's the problem. It gets to a certain length, the one third, and then once you get longer than that, you start having another problem. Yes, uh, it stops a lot of deposition. Things can't get into your eyes. Yeah. So you go, oh, that's even better. And you need eyelashes down to your feet. But it starts focusing air on the eyeball itself. So evaporation oh, wow. starts to go back up. So we've evolved to be at the perfect point where our eyelashes have the minimum evaporation for the minimum deposition of crud from outside, which I think is really interesting. Mm. So the next time you're messing around with your eyelashes, they're the same, like people... What if lizards have something like that? They have like, a nictating membrane. They have a third, oh, they do, don't they? Have they have a third eye. Third and eye, I wonder eye, if that's as a, as a direct result of the fact that they can't grow eyelashes. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably their way of dealing with it. That's a good question, actually. Yeah, I don't know that. It doesn't say in the report. By the way, the, the shape of your eyelash makes no difference. So if you have one that flicks up and is really curly, it doesn't make any difference. If you have, uh, like, camels have ones that hang down, are nearly, nearly parallel with the curve of their kind of... Is it, can you go parallel with a curve? Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> staying, staying at the same length from the eyeball right. itself and but it makes no difference so don't worry if your eyelashes are different shapes it's it's the length that they're most worried about so yeah mine are actually cut into tiny little words compton forever but <laughs> so <laughs> now women if you go out and you're wearing fake eyelashes your eyes may actually dry out faster so that's because uh, your longer eyelashes are bringing more air into your eye and therefore you're messing with evolution but I thought about this and went, okay, so that's a bad thing. You yep. know, probably you might get hit by a truck or something because you're, yep. you're like, oh, my eyes are really dry. Hoom, hit by a truck. Yep. But if by wearing longer eyelashes, you convince someone to mate with you and yeah. you pass on your genes, see, there's a problem there. It's like suddenly it turns off the, like if there's mutations yes. in her eyelashes yes. from yes. this point on because she's wearing falsies, yep. those won't get corrected for. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're getting rid of an evolutionary pressure thing. Mm. I was intrigued by that. Maybe I'm totally wrong there, but it seemed like an interesting idea to me. But anyway, eyelashes, one third the width of the eyeball. They're found in, in at least 22 animals in the animal kingdom, plus humans. I love it when there's science happening right in front of your face. Yeah, right in front of your eyes. Yeah. Hey! Robert. And you want to join the Thieves Guild? That's right. Robert the Robber. Yep. How do I get started? You'll need to kit yourself out. Some proper robber attire. That's right. Made out of the right fabric. And what's that? Rubber. For impact diffusion. That's right. So proper rubber rubber hat. Yes. And some proper rubber rubber pants. Indeed. Shoes. Some rubber boots. Galoshes. Yes, some proper rubber rubber galoshes for Robert the Robber. Sign me up. Can't. Why not? Because we sold our last pair of proper rubber rubber galoshes to the other Robert the Robber. Bother. <laughs> Sick of being a 105-pound weakling, Greg? Sick and tired of having sand kicked in your face? Maybe it's time you started to do a exercise workout plan. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the Crypto Zoo. You could be a He-Man. Could I? Today we're going to be talking about He-Man. <gasps> Yay! And the Masters of the Universe. Oh, oh, literally He-Man. Oh, literally He-Man. That's fantastic because I thought I'd have to work out and like eat right, but I can just hold aloft a magic sword and say, by the power of Grayskull. There you go. And it's all done. You've got it in oh, one. Phew. So, uh, Prince Adam. Yes. He's got a magic sword. He does. Holds it above his head. Holds it aloft, even. Aloft. Says, by the power of Grayskull. Yes. Boom. Yes. He-Man. Yes. Massive muscles. Most powerful man in the universe. I think he's the same size. I think he changes size. He just wears a, a, a tighter codpiece. Is that thunder? 
Does sound like it. Stupid thunder. Or is it a piano? So My pu- hearing's going. Is she, is she pushing it whilst playing it? <laughs> Big muscles. Big muscles. I think they're the same deeper size. Deeper voice. It, 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 it does, is it? A, oh, deeper voice. It, oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. No shirt. Yes. That's how it, I always assumed that's what was going on. He just took his shirt off and everyone was like, wow. It's like, it's kind of no, like, all right. it's just like, mm, Prince Adam's ripped. Well, uh, ripped. then he's got his little cat. He does. Uh, whiskers? No. Um, trembles? It's like fright. Fr- fr- uh, freaky. Mr. Mr. Trembles. Mr. Trembles. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's it. A- Cringer. Cringer. That's what it is. There we go. Cringer turns into battle cat. Yeah, and Cringer's tiny. So Cringer gets bigger. Does he? Yeah. Well, he's he's still pretty big for a like, he's not a, he's not like a moggy cat. He's he's no, like a, he's he, like he a, looks like a leopard or something. Yeah, oh, he turns into something he can he makes. But he ride. turns into this gigantic That's stallion true. of a beast. That, yes, I see. Right. Yes. What the f's going on there? That's magic. Not, magic. Magic. All right. Sasquatch, Bigfoot, who is who? That's not how this segment works. Damn it! You have to tell me what's going on there. What's going on? Well, can we can we can we call on? No, you can't say he's hulking out. That's not allowed. So we're asking, we're asking me yeah. how Prince Adam gets larger and his cat gets lar- Everything gets larger mm-hmm. and cat, stronger. And strong. His cat doesn't just get like he actually gets much larger than He Man gets larger because He Man can now ride him. Yeah. So that makes everything very difficult. Well, he holds a lot of magic sword, which which is a science sword. We don't quite understand. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. And there's lightning. There's definitely lightning there involved. Is. And he's hit by it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe he's actually in a coma after being hit by lightning and he just thinks he's really big and he's a big hero. Actually, he's very, very brain dead and damaged, lying in a bed in an attorney's hospital and it's all playing out in his mind. So that's why he's the master of the universe. That's right. Because, because yeah, he's yeah. the guy, the dream master. That's very of true. And Skeletor is just his the manifestation of death that he oh. sees in his mind. And uh, Orko is his id, and... I can't help but feel this vague sensation of disappointed audience. <laughs> That's the best I've got. He just, he's like, I mean, you could say steroids, but I mean, like, steroids. But I don't, I don't know, Dan. I, I'm not sure. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go with my Life on Mars-esque coma theory. There you go. I, look, I'd like to expand on that. Much like you have many fa- many faces, so basically, yeah. many like many faces as all, all the, the different di- doctors. Yes, coming that's through. Oh, I like that specialist. Yeah, there you go. And the, and the sorceress, the sorceress is probably just his mum, and he says she could save his life or something. I have to think more about this. But yep, yeah, I think. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, there's other. We there's Beast Man. Maybe that's he has to fight off the beasts. Now that his higher functions have been cut down. His, oh, his so there's so animalistic is the id and yes. Beast Man is the ego. Well, that's an idea. Yes, yeah, so and Skeletor's the, the death he's scared of. Who else? There's Evil Lynn because Prince Adam's a misogynist and hates women. And, right. and he just sees all women as evil. Is Evil Lynn? I feel sorry for Evil Lynn. Can you imagine being christened Evil Lynn? Yeah, it doesn't give you a lot. No. It's like being, it's like mm-hmm. being named uh, Alfred or, right. uh, or Jeeves. Yeah, oh, I imagine being named right. Jeeves. I see what you're saying now. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm going to proudly stand by yeah. the coma theory. All right. Well, can you do better? I think I can do more satisfying. <laughs> he could point the sword at the cat. Yes. And the cat goes boom! A great big giant roaring cat. Yes. And like has like 
helmet on it. He does have a helmet, yes. Ch- changes clothes and stuff. Yep. But he d- he never at any point like points that sword at anyone else and goes, "Let's see if I can get man at arms all big and mm. like hulking." Mm. Like, doesn't help out anyone else. It's yes. just him and the cat. Right. Yes. I was thinking, well, his voice is dropping down. Prince mm. Adam seems like he's nineteen years old or something. Right. Like, he's, he seems he's quite a young. big nineteen-year-old. Yeah. He's, he's quite. A, he's big. He's strapping. Yeah. He's, he's on his way to becoming quite a man. But he man looks like a man. He's a man. He's, he's a, a man. man. He's is a he man. Yes, that's right. And I'm thinking that's in the maybe day. what's happening is the sword is actually a time travel device. Right. And it sucks the body, it switches the body of Prince Adam when he's older, when he's like 30. Yes. With Prince Adam when he's 19. Right. And the battle cat is this changes the switches that as well, right. including the clothing. And so all he's doing is he, in the future, he's going to work out a lot <laughs> and become much, much stronger. I see. And he just, he's, he's, he's like time-sharing his future body. <laughs> now, we, we're accepting, look, I like that, but we're accepting now time travel as a scientific thing that can happen by pointing a sword. Wormholes. <laughs> tiny, tiny, um, tiny propellers on the hammer that hold it down. Uh, string theory? String theory. Oh, 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 string theory will solve all the problem. Oh, man. I think we've botched this one. <laughs> After a hard day in the command chair of the Starship Enterprise, or after a particularly energetic session with a green-skinned alien space babe, I can find it difficult going to sleep. No matter how much Romulan ale I drink or gorns I fight, tribbles I hug or green-skinned alien babes I teach the meaning of human love, I can't seem to get enough, shut I. Then perhaps I can be of assistance with my patented Dr. Mr. Spock neck pinch sleep clinic. One pinch... It's a cinch. Let's hear from these happy customers. Keen Terak Nan. Klingon warriors need little sleep. And when we do sleep, we sleep with one eye open. And a batleth under our pillow. And the pillow is made of the skulls of our enemies. And our bed is actually a hungry tog. And nuktak yachtapul. Fascinating. You point it. But. One pinch, it's a cinch. Now, it's a well-known fact. I don't know it. Everyone yep. has a zombie plan. Well-known. <laughs> well-known fact. Everyone has a zombie What do you mean you don't have a zombie plan, listener? Seriously? Get a zombie plan together. Because when the zombies come, and they will, you want to be prepared. And everyone's got their little plan. I've heard of people, I can't tell you, I have to kill you, or there's certain people I have to go and get. And, and I just sit there and go, yeah, you're basing that zombie plan on movies about zombies. Yeah. Again, my favourite one is, don't get shot, eat as many brains as possible. That's what we talked about this on the podcast before. This is for the people who don't want to become zombies. No one wants to become a zombie, but you guys suck at not becoming zombies. That's what most people do. This is the thing. Now, I'm going to try and help you not suck at becoming a zombie. Wait, not suck at not becoming a zombie? Ah, yeah. It's just not be a zombie is what I'm trying to say here. Not just me, but a team of scientists, statisticians. And everyone knows how they got it with zombies. A team of statisticians at Cornell University have actually put together, using statistical mechanics, the best way to survive a zombie outbreak in the U.S., yeah. I'm going to pause this for a second. Yes. <laughs> What's wrong? That storm's coming in like yep. crazy. 
Um, it's not a huge one, but it's big enough that it could try out to power. Okay, should we um, stop recording it? Or? Yeah, I think we might just pause it. Okay. Well, we're back from the thunderstorm. <laughs> we're back from the enormous bolts of lightning that struck around the house. We live in Queensland, which occasionally God decides to kill everyone with lightning. Lightning! Thanks, God! <laughs> you missed this again. Thank God you didn't go for something subtle. <laughs> Just stab at thy very heart from the sky. <laughs> now, we were talking before God tried to kill us all with... Lightning bolts from heaven itself. Well, that's it. Which god? Ah, it's Odin. Yeah, Odin. Odin tried to kill us today. That's a lot of fun. Thor? Thor. He's, he's, he's got a thunder. He's got a thunder. And, and I'm thinking of Zeus. I'm thinking of Zeus, aren't I? Drat. Uh, yes. Yeah, Zeus. Odin's Zeus. the all-father. Yes. He knows all of everything. Oh, uh, okay. So basically Thor comes in and goes, Rumble, 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 rumble. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Oh, that'd be awesome. Imagine Avengers is like, Thor, bring down the thunder. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Rumble, rumble, rumble. What are you, what are you doing, Thor? I'm the god of thunder. Uh, no, no, strike at him with the, with the, with the, with the lightning bolt. Wait, oh, no, 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 no. I make the rumbling noise afterwards. Not in the charter. Yeah, I, I gotta get the other guy who does the lightning and then I come and go, and I kick this door. Wah, scary. Take that. Enemies of the of the humanity. Who's the other guy? Oh, Loki. Oh, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I wondered why my TV exploded. Anyway, we were talking about an apocalypse before another apocalypse came down upon us, which is zombies. And everyone has a zombie plan, as we said. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have one, get a goddamn zombie plan, for goodness sakes! And of course, Dan's take on it is you have to just die. But science is now here to say, well, you, maybe you don't have to die. You probably will. But you may be <laughs> not going to die. A team in Cornell University have worked out using statistics as a way of surviving the zombie apocalypse if you live in North America. That's what they're working. Ah, uh, yes. And they were basically treating it like a disease, once again. And they were looking at things like zombies biting humans, humans turning into zombies, zombies tearing humans apart. These are all different variables they could change. And they tried to, they looked at World War Z, the, the book version of World War Z, and tried to base all their data on that sort of stuff. And in the end, they came, they said, look, in these TV shows and movies, it's always like, it always hits all around the world at the same time, and everyone's equally screwed. And he goes, no, no, it just can't be that way because of population. Where, mm-hmm. where the humans are is where the zombies are going to be because zombies are just humans who are turned into zombies. Yeah. Or dead. Yeah. I'll, I'll just read directly from, from one of the scientists. If there's a zombie outbreak, it usually is assumed to affect all areas at the same time. And some months after the outbreak, you're left with small pockets of survivors. But in our attempt to model zombies somewhat realistically, it, it doesn't seem this is how it would actually go down. Cities would fall quickly, but it would take weeks for zombies to penetrate into less densely populated areas because there's just no people around. They don't drive either. And they don't drive. They, they shamble. Like Australia would actually do really well, wouldn't well, it? Well, the cities would go down pretty screamingly fast. Yeah. But if you went out and hid in, in the outback, there's no one around to get the vector to yeah. get to you. And they're not going to come wandering through the, the desert unless they get attracted to something in the desert. Yeah. So they, they normally go for noise and things. People screaming, being eaten, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so they say that they penetrate into outback areas. So given the dynamics of the disease, once the zombies invade more sparsely populated areas, the whole outbreak slows down. There are fewer humans to bite, so you start creating zombies at a slower rate. So in their fictional account, they say New York, all these big cities, would fall on the day. Done. You're done in a, a day. A day? A day, yes. You'd have, you wouldn't have 28 days later. It would just be a day. And they said, but the month 
It would take a month for upstate New York, sort of the, 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 the state around it, to be mm-hmm. overrun. So you've got a month, which is you know, how you hopefully hold them back. And then, basically, it would take months to years for zombies to even reach, it's, remember, this is American, so I apologize for our non-American listeners, into the Rockies, into the, the, the Rocky Mountains, because there's no one up there. Uh, there's like the wild bushmen kind of things. And so those places would last, well, you wouldn't even see a zombie uh, for the first it's couple Grizzly of... Adams. It's basically up there. with a bear. A zombie bear. Hopefully not. There's too many human zombies here, not animal zombies. So it would take months to get up there. That's where you need to go. So if you're in the Americas, get into the Appalachians or get into the Rockies. Of course, everyone will be going there. So more zombies now. Uh-huh. Ah. So, or in Australia, you need to go to... And that'll be very safe. That's where I'm going to be going when the uh, outbreak occurs. I'm going to put a tracker on you. Damn it! And that's going to be the decoy tracker so that you think you've gotten rid of that tracker. <laughs> But the one I've already implanted on you is still active. I'm glad it's on me, not in me. Hmm. <laughs> not a misdirect at all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new segment on the podcast called Pimp My Time. Pimp My Time! Pint my time. We are putting forward the hypothetical situation that the other person being challenged has a single hour before they get cast back through time to a specific time and non-specific location. That's right. You can't take anything with you. So it's only you and what's in your head. Basically, I like to think of it as the time machine. You get put into the time machine. When the door closes, the time machine starts to activate. It takes one hour to get to the machine to want to blast you to somewhere else, but you have access to the internet and only the internet in that one hour. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You have one hour to research. Maybe a phone. You can call someone too. Okay. You didn't tell me this. Yeah. I could have called people. So <sighs> I have already come up with a challenge for Greg. Mm-hmm. Did that the other night. Yes. And I am sending him back to 17th century France. The French Revolution. French Revolution time. Yes, yes, yes. And that meant the start of the French Revolution, 1789, to be precise. Mm. That's the period of time. the goal for Greg is to make out like a... Bandit. But that wasn't the that wasn't the goal. The goal is to be is to, is to six, <laughs> increase increase my my likelihood of survival. Yes, I thought not. Well, no, we're not, pimping the time. Oh, I so see. I want to see. I think we might have changed I, the parameters of our look. Survival is a baseline, but if you can become a god king, then so much the better. That's 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 a certain amount of success. I see. Right. Well, okay. I sat down for one hour using nothing but the internet and my own acumen to try and work out what I was going to do. Mm. So I had to think. About it. I went. What would I need? Okay, French Revolutionary or Revolutionary France, 1789. Okay, ah, I know, I know. I need. We need to work out how to do anesthetics. 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 Put people out under. I'd be like. A, I'd be like a god amongst men. Unfortunately, they already existed. So I was like, damn it! I didn't understand that. Ah. People still had them. Uh, they already had them, and so therefore they'd go. Yeah, we've got. We've got that. Thanks. Now they went. Okay, here's the second problem. Then right, the second problem here is antiseptics. Mm. So, and what was really interesting when I did my research. Research. Because they were now happily putting people unconscious and then lopping limbs off, people were dropping dead left, right, and center. You had about 40 to 50% chance of dying because oh, wow. somebody just cut a limb off and you get infected and it's horrible. So I went, oh, antiseptics. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I can, I can try antiseptics. And because antiseptics only really came in to, in a, people were using them in, in sort of older forms. I know listeners, our pedantic listeners going, the Greeks had some form where you're mm-hmm. putting a mossy. Pitch. 
Yeah, and that's all. Yeah, salt and yeah, yeah. salt it. You could you I, turn the stump into jerky. I, I suppose so. But yes, uh, Rhine. Eighteen, eighteen. You could. The antiseptics were used in the eighteen thirties. So this is seventeen eighty nine. Fifty years earlier, if I could jump the gun by fifty years, mm-hmm. antiseptics they didn't exist. So could. All right. So you're just going to call them into being. I'm going to make antiseptics. That was my. How do you do that? I had to look well, it up. Like Dettol. Well, that's right. Dettol's antiseptic, is it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. How, so how do they make a simple antiseptic? Icicle. That's well, antiseptic. the first ones they used was something called carbonic acid. They would take a bit of carbonic acid and they would put it in water and they would spray it on the wound and it would burn like a bastard because they're pouring uh-huh. acid on a wound. Yep. But of course, it um, would, would um, kill all the bacteria and they had mm-hmm. a much higher chance of survival. So now I have to make. Carbonic acid. Yep. And that's easy. All you, all you have to do is take coal tar. So anytime you're burning coal, it has a little sludgy black material down the bottom. And really? Yeah. There's a oh, coal, yeah. coal tar. So that's the, that's the end result after it's burned. It's one of the, because it hasn't burned at a high enough temperature. Ah, so right. So just talking burning coal. And you get the sludgy stuff. Get that sludgy stuff. And now it gets a bit complicated. And I was like, okay, but I can read it. I can do this, I'm sure. And you've got to heat it. And you've got to heat it up really, really, really hot. So take it to a blacksmith and get him to heat it. And what will happen is there'll be different distillations, basically, different alcohols, different, not alcohols, but different size molecules will come off at different times. Ah, right. So now we're doing distillation on yeah. this stuff. And now I realize things are getting hard. Because yeah. I need to get it up to about 600 degrees Celsius, which a blacksmith could do. But Well, it would be hard to get it to exactly 600. Up above 600 or above is fine. Okay. It's, not, it's not like I only want that thing. It would it's be not like a sous vide. No, 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 no. So now I have to somehow make, get him to build a big, or I have to build it, but I can't, I'm useless, a big containment vessel that will capture the gases and then a cooling tube. One of those spirally tubes you see oh, in science yeah. shows. Make one or of those. A, or at a whiskey distillery. Well, whiskey distillery, yeah, Put they could do it. a bath. Yeah, that, they could do that. That might work. And cool it down. And at the other end, if I could do all this, then there would be a very, very weak carbonic acid and also mixed with other goop and crap and yucky stuff. Ooh. So it wouldn't be very good. And you could put that in water and spray it. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. And I realized I probably wouldn't be able to explain it well Idea. enough. I was like, damn it. So that was my problem. That, that was already, I just wasted 40 minutes. Oh no. I'm 40 minutes into my one hour of you pimping my time. Trouble. And I was like, ah, I could, might do this. I might be able to pull this off, but I don't really have the knowledge to explain how to make the cooling. T- it's a, it's a tube. It spins. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have enough time. I was like, I don't understand it. Maybe listeners are like, oh, it's obvious. You could do this. I don't, I don't have this rooted. I don't have, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I'd make it. And so therefore I, I was like, well, I don't do that. So I, I had to quickly change. And then I thought about something else. I thought people were dying back then from waterborne diseases all the time, like cholera. Yeah. And I had to think about it. There was a guy called Joseph Bazalgette who in London made the sewer system. He, and that was in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 1850s? Ooh. That's in the future for where I am. Yeah. So he, they thought back then that, that diseases came from miasma. They thought it was the bad smell from dirty water ah. and poo. And that's what made you sick. And they, they thought if they get rid of the smell, then they would get rid of the disease. Uh, and it's wrong, that's of not course. Right. It's not right at all. Just they, make the disease smell pretty. They, that's right. And, that's, and the uh, thing plague doctors from earlier time, like the Italian plague doctors, they would have a bit that big, that kind of weird beak. They had that big mask with the big oh, white. Yeah. They put a posy in the end so it was nice and smelly so they wouldn't get sick from the plague. But Total, it didn't work. Didn't work. Of course not. Wouldn't, well, the plague wasn't, it wasn't miasma-based, yeah. so it wouldn't work at all. So I thought about this from a while, and I was like, hang on, this seems like a good idea. 
things like cholera, when the cholera outbreaks in London, like 10,000 people would die every year from cholera. And they Basil Jet worked out it was coming from one water source. And he proved this by demanding the water sources just switched off and then watching the cholera stop. Mm-hmm. I would show, because they had microscopes, I would go into scientists and intellectuals and rich people and go, no, 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 it's small germs that are doing this. Because they didn't understand germ theory at this point. Ah. They, did have, um, they, 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 they did have microscopes at this point. Yep. I could show them that the, those things existed, that they were in the water, they were going, they're running around. I can't prove that they definitely connected. I can't show mm-hmm. firing guns. But I can do the same thing Bazalgette did, and I can get rid of the water supply mm-hmm. and watch the cholera stop. Ah. And therefore, I've now saved tens of thousands of people because no more people are dying, and I'd be lauded as some kind of medical genius who yeah. worked out how to stop cholera. And I'd say, it's fine, it's fine. All I want is uh, one of those 10,000 people sent to me as a slave every year to, to work for me. That'd be fine. I like it. And you'd have your own Wikipedia page. I would. And it'd be, it'd be Gregoire, the guy who worked out toilets. Yep. And sewers. And I'd build a giant sewer through France, and then Basil Jet would go, I'm going to build a giant... Oh, suck it, Basil. <laughs> that's a Basil Jet. Woo! That's my plan. So basically, I'm, I'm stealing the idea, but that's how I would pimp my time oh, by getting rid of beautiful. waterborne diseases. And if I had some time later on, maybe build carbonic acid as an antiseptic. So there you go. Excellent work. Thank, All right. Thank well, you very much. So, hot shot, pop quiz. <laughs> what do you got for me? What time do I have to pimp? Well, you, you will be sent back to 900 AD. 900 wow. AD, but not Europe. I'm no. Not I want you to go to what was called the Khmer Empire. Oh, Jesus. We now call that places like Burma, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, and Vietnam. There was an empire that lasted nearly 1,000 years or 500, 600 years that most people have never even heard of in the southeast south of Asia. Uh-oh. And Angkor Wat, you may have heard of Angkor Wat, the big temples out in the Cambodian jungles. It's a, I'm not talking about the yeah. Khmer Rouge, by the way, which is the kind of terrorist organization. I'm talking about the Khmer Empire where they take their name. All right. So you will be sent back in one hour's time. I say, press this button here. Beep. What? You'll need to trap me in the box. Oh, no. You're in the box. Oh, no. You have one hour to maybe learn about the Khmer Empire and and also learn some technology that will make you a god king in the Khmer Empire of 900 AD. I'm down. And now it's time. For the Walk of Shame, where Dan and I are held under the spotlight of public opinion and knowledge when we say crazy stuff on the podcast, our listeners point it out. Now, usually we do a lot of yelling in song form in order to get to the Walk of Shame. Yes. But do you remember what what happened last time we had a big podcast like this? We asked our listeners to send in a Walk of Shame song. We did. Yes, yes, we did. We had a couple of people contact us. Ooh. Now, did they create the song? No. Oh. Well, Michael Barnes didn't, mm-hmm. but he did come up with a really nice idea, which was to get the Dire Strait tune. <laughs> Walk uh, of Life, I do believe. Uh, yep, the Walk of Life. Here comes Johnny singing yep, all this gold is. But yep. he changed it to, yes. uh, he makes a mistake about a feathered dinosaur. He make an error talking about space flight. He do the walk. He do the walk of shame. Yeah, he do the walk of shame. Oh, I like that one. Thank you, Michael Barnes. So that was quite cute, but he didn't make the song. Didn't make the song, Michael Barnes. So bugger Uh. off, I say. (laughs) But 
we did have someone who did send in a song. <gasps> nice. Walk of shame, walk of shame. It's not a street, it's not a lane, it's the... Walk of shame, yeah. <laughs> it's not a street, it's not a lane, it's the walk, the walk of shame. Yeah. It doesn't Lane doesn't rhyme with shame. Uh, let's, well, that, that's the first walk of shame. <laughs> that's, we're going to use that now? That's what yeah. we're using? Excellent. Uh, yeah, for now. That's it, that's what we're doing. Until okay. it gets usurped. Right. By the next person. Indeed. Who did that one? <laughs> that. Was provided by a Mr. Steve Beeston. Oh, family <laughs> members. Nepotism. Nepotism. Did you force him to do it? No, no. Oh, okay, he just oh, got nice. inspired. Isn't it nice to have a brother? Oh, thank you, uh, Steve. Beeston. Oh, look, I've met your sister. I can understand why you've got your. Uh... Oh, no, I haven't met your sister. I've just heard story. Which we've heard I've, tales. I've got two of them. Jesus, no! <laughs> so, one's scary, one's really scary. Exactly. Okay, so, have I done anything wrong? <laughs> yes, Dan, you have. Uh, pointed out by Faulty from the old forums, uh, and also from the podcast itself, um, avocados grow on trees. Avocados grow on trees. They don't grow on vines. You made it, you're very adamant they grow on vines. They actually grow on trees. They are a tree. They're fruit from a tree. Not a fruit. Oh, God. I, oh, no. Oh! Uh, That's a tree. It comes from a tree. It's a nut. It's a it's, it's an, a paste. It's, a, it's actually a paste. <laughs> it's a sound of a paste. That's fine. Yes. From Mr. Sam Ailing mm-hmm. pointed out this isn't science based but still important. In episode eighty seven, the cryptozoo Greg attributed the line "It's better to burn out than to fade away" <laughs> to the late great Mr. Freddie Mercury. Yes, but of course the alive great Mr. Neil Young might have something to say about that. I had exactly the same one sent to me. Uh, Mr. Sean King said, "As Freddie Mercury said, Neil Young said it better. Uh, said it said it's better to burn out than to fade away." And yes, I, I realised I was totally wrong. I even walked ashamed myself. Freddie Mercury didn't say that. It was the Kurgan who said that in Highlander. Freddie Mercury never said it. All right. He actually comes to the movie Highlander. So I was totally wrong. Now, Freddie Mercury did the music for Highlander, but mm-hmm. Kurgan was the character who was the immortal from the Russian steppes. Mm-hmm. Played by Freddie Mercury. No, no. Played... Also, the Highlander was played by Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and Sean Connery was yes. played by Freddie Mercury. It's very true. Still is today. <laughs> so that's it? That's it. That's, what that's I all. Yes. If you hear of something wrong that we've said wrong, and I'm sure there's nothing in here, I've been very, very uh, definite about <laughs> everything that I've said towards the beginning, so I'm sure there's no mistakes <laughs> been made there. But if you hear it, send it to the other person. So if I said it wrong, send it to Greg. If Greg said it wrong, send it to me. That way we can catch each other out. That's right. Now, Dan, of course, every week I have to bring up a song. Do I have a doozy for you? No, thank you. Oh. I'm done. Oh, I'm really? sick of it. Oh. I don't want to hear it anymore. But I've got... I've got I, don't care. I, I can, don't care. I just press the button. Don't care. We're just going to go straight to the end. No. No, we're just going to cut the song. No, can't, no, we're not cutting the song, Dan. All right, fine. If we're not going to cut the song, yep. then I'm going to do a song. Oh, goodness me. Because I had a listener called Remy Simrail. Hopefully, I, the formatting has gone wrong on my oh, yeah. on Evernote. It could make, maybe his name's Remy. Maybe he's a her. Maybe Remy is a girl's name. I don't know. What I do know is that there is a song for us to have a listen to. Let's listen to the song then. 
Yo, welcome to my lab. I got about three minutes to tell you about my research, how I'm way up in that. I work in Wollongong now from Sydney in Australia. Investigating cancer of all types of paraphernalia. You see what makes a cancer deadly is how it can spread. Might start in your lung, then it's a tumor in your head. This is called metastasis. It's quite deadly. 90% of cancer patients die this way readily. We're trying to understand how tumors do this to stop metastasis and get a cancer to dismiss. One pathway is Leading your body astray Helping a tumor grow and spread To leave you in dismay It's quite a mouthful to say man But what the hey It's known as the plasminogen activation pathway In a normal body Helps a fetus grow shape in the womb Build an artery Stop blood clot Repairs your wound In a tumorigenic system Not the same benevolence Gets hijacked by a tumor Creates unpleasantness Cancer is intelligent It needs replenishment It has to get a blood supply To increase its eminence Conscript pies Triggers angiogenesis Gets the tap feed on your blood You might not see the end of this Now the tumour cells escape In the leaky vasculature Making satellite tumours That are hard to endure It's a tricky puzzle Prop sinking How can we stop it? Well, past has this inhibitor Part 2 could unlock it Part 2 stops the breakdown Of extracellular matrix Barnard to its target Protease, UPA Yet it's irreversible Gets taken up inside the cell Which means the cancer cells Can be targeted quite well Cause the UPA receptor That helps tumour spread Is overexpressed tumour Cells and now you see you where I'm here. We're making a pro drug, kind of like chemotherapy, and it's actually a natural protein in your own body. So we grow heaps of bacteria culture to express it. Leaders and leaders, sweat and just to get it. Then I got it, there we go, conjugated to some peg, purify it up, characterize the mass spec. Then get me that toxin from this periwinkle lab. Do a bit of chemistry, a few moles on the pad, then characterize again. We hope that drugs clean so we can target specific tumors and know what the Mean. We got that peg, cause it makes drugs a little bigger Doesn't get filtered by the kidneys or the liver Spending time in circulation, patiently waiting To bind to UPA and start interrelating Inside it's taken, the endosome starts breaking up the linkages Now the drugs be making its way to the nucleus To start devastating, turbulence like scaffold for new cells emanating So we're rolling geneticists and cell biologists Doctors and chemists, pizza lots of sense And it's evident that we're gonna bring to difference to cancer patients upon this residence. That's pretty much it. Gotta get back to my PhD. And just figured I'd tell you how do we be doing it up in the lab in the scenes behind us. Catch you later. Thanks for watching Fresh Science. That was Fresh Science by Nat Harris from the University of Wollongong. I learned something. I learned that I don't know a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, that, that, that's the way they... Um, I like the fact that... A little bit of skip-hop? Is, is, that, ooh, that, is, that, is that what's called nowadays? I don't know. Oh. What, Aussie hip-hop? Yeah, it, I think... I think, yeah, oh, I think it's called skip-hop. I think we moved on, I think we moved on from Did that we? now. Oh, right. yeah, I think we moved on. Now it's just hip-hop. Yeah. It's Australian hip-hop. But I love the fact that the way the cancers... I love it. It's horrible. But the way the cancers can hijack the body and then do things like make... Blood vessels get bigger and take you like you know. No, I take your blood supply now, and now you feed me, and mm. it's crazy. Babies do the same thing, by the way. I am not saying babies are cancer. Babies are cancer. Yeah, that's what they are. Yeah, they are cancer. I like the fact that he was doing a rap song, mm. Mm. and then he had to rhyme with bigger, and he didn't rhyme it with like trigger mm. or anything else. No, no, he rhymed it with liver. Yes, that's so right. that's close enough. It just it doesn't. That doesn't. Usually in a rap song, you hear a line end on bigger. And something else rhymes yes. with it on the next That's line. That's true, yes, so. yes, yes. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. 
And Facebook as well, SHGKBE. And get onto iTunes and review and subscribe course, and all that course. sort of all, stuff. All that goodness. Now, we had someone, we, had, we always get people chatting to us all the time, all sorts of different things. But I like to mention one, a, a Dennis Gunter, or Gwinter, I apologize by saying your name wrong, I promise, Dennis. And he wrote to me going, Chad is a great name for our star. Thank you very much, Dennis. I appreciate that. And he said, well, maybe we should call, of course, we call the moon Colin. Colin. So we have Chad and Colin. Yep. And he said, well, why don't we call the Milky Way's black hole, the supermassive black hole at the center of the, the galaxy, Sid? Oh, I like how he's enthused. Yes. He's engaging. He is engaging. He's an idiot. And so, well, <laughs> he's an idiot. I brought this up, I brought this up with Dan. Yep. And, so we, and, and, and Dan said this. I said this. What's the name of the black hole in the center of our Milky Way galaxy? And I said that it's called the Sagittarius A star. Already got a name. It's got a name. Already Sorry got a that. name. Yeah, the see, whole point of this yeah. is that the sun and the moon, they don't have names. Yeah. So we gave them names. That's right. We can't just go renaming stuff That's because right, yes. someone will come along yeah, and right. rename the sun. Maybe, maybe Dennis probably didn't realize that though. So just so everyone knows, Sagittarius A is the, the sort of, when you look, because it's sort of through the constellation Sagittarius where the center of the galaxy is. And, and Sagittarius A is the, is the radio, the bright radio beacon area of the, because you can't see through it with visible light because lots of dust between us, but there's a big bright radio beacon. And that's called Sagittarius A. Off to the right of it, there's a Sagittarius A asterisk star. Right. We call it asterisk a star. It's not saying it's a star. Mm-hmm. It's just asterisk. And that's the, we think that's the supermassive black hole. So ah, right. Sagittarius A star. Well, you know what? I think that like that's, that's no excuse. Like mm. ignorance is no excuse. <laughs> so you know what, Dennis? Uh, you're, you're banned for the next two podcasts. You're not allowed to listen. <laughs> for this one and the next one. No, no, yes, yeah, that's right. So you've already, he's already passed his band. So, so he's by, he's by not listening to this one. Yeah. He, don't he, listen to this one. Okay, right. Or the next one. Oh, but the next one's a really good one. We, the next one's going to be Michael Green talking about wooden buildings. Oh, no. Are you are listening to that? Just, just don't listen to this one. Yeah, don't listen You're to this one. You're not allowed to listen to this one. Anymore. You're going to switch it off right now. But definitely listen to the Michael Green one. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Another well-known science communicator passed away recently. Yes. Uh, Terry Pratchett. What? Known of the Discworld novels. <laughs> yes. But he did. also, he encouraged people to learn about science by creating the science of the Discworld mm. stuff. So, people who mm. were more so into fiction were suddenly being exposed to ideas that were exciting them. Mm. And I heard there was this wonderful idea because in one of his books, there's a, a man who dies on the, the clacks, which the clacks. is like their, their internet thing. It's like a big semaphore tower. Big semaphore tower. It sends yeah. information across the, it's their internet. Across the disc. No, it's, it's their telegraph. It's really. their telegraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they send information in there that requires like maintenance information and stuff like that and one of the things they send is the name of this guy who died mm. in the plaques and it's quite a, a nice thing and so people on the internet have actually started hiding a thing called a, an, a header mm. in, in their HTTP stuff mm. on their websites that send GNU Terry Pratchett so the G means send it on the yep. U means turn it around at the other end and the N means don't change it or something like that. Okay. And well, so it's a, it's a little code. Yeah. And it just sends his name through the... And you never see it on a web page, but it's in the information. So it's actually... So I, no, I heard about this and I was going to ask you because you're this is your job. Yeah. That's what you do. So is it just embedded in the web page when I download the web page, it's embedded secretly in the web page? Yeah. Or is it actually sending a message somewhere else? Well, it sends that information between your computer and or through all the other computers mm. to where you're getting it from. Right. Oh, okay. So at the start, every time my computer so, goes, can I be 
more information. It doesn't spread like a virus. Yeah, or anything. Right. It doesn't sort of spread out like right. that because that would be fairly malicious. Yeah. So let me get this head around this. So if I go and look for a web page and go, I'm going to download this web page yep. over here, and it's going to go through these different nodes to get the information. Mm-hmm. It's not just through one pipe. It's like through different, different pipes. Yeah. Series of pipes. Then at the start of all that information, if let's say let's say that's written to the web page I'm going for, mm-hmm. it'll start by saying GNU Terry Pratchett, and then get the rest of the information. Yeah. So there's information in there like uh, this is a HTTP request. This yep. is this is a web page, not a file or right. a video. Yes. So a bunch of little bits and pieces in like that. Yeah. And, and, it, it, and by it, the way, Terry Pratchett. And, and, and and by the way, Terry Pratchett. Oh, that's quite cute. I, that makes more sense. I didn't understand. I was like, what does it mean? Now, is that something that our web page does? Yes, it does. You are! So every time you download the Smart Enough to Better podcast, sorry, the website, you are actually downloading Terry Pratchett's name. Yeah. He's always alive in this podcast. He, uh, no one ever dies until uh, people stop speaking their name. Nice. Can you put our names in it? Why? Oh. Look, maybe you should go back in time and get your name on Wikipedia if you want your name to last for a long time. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. And as we always like to say... Elephant 1, Elephant 2, Elephant 3... Welcome to episode 89 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of... A podcast of podcasts. A podcast of podcasts. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the perfect eyelash length. And I am going to figure out how to use Evernote. Because wow. it, I can't figure out how to use it. It's good. That's and where am I now? Yeah, I found it. I found it. It's going to be a fun, fun segment. Yeah. I like you in... I'm giving up in an interesting way. Yeah, right. I like that. <laughs> yeah, right, not like it's actually a wrap. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you get that sort of yeah, flavour. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. That flavour, flavour, flavour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> flavour, flavour, flavour. Flavour, 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 flavour. Okay. It's getting less and less masculine, as you say. Flavour, 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 Terrence. What are you talking Yes. What are you talking about, guy? <laughs> Statistics! I can never say this word right. I get brought up on the podcast all the time. Statistics! 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 Yeah, I can't. It's one of those, one of those weird words I can't say. Statistics! That right? Wow, you are. There's something broken. Yeah, no, I can't say that. It, it gets picked up. I get every time I say that word on this podcast, I get two or three emails going, "Yeah, you um didn't say it right again." I was like, "Didn't I?" Go back and listen to it and go. No, I did. Penguins. But penguins. 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 Anyway. Statistics. Statistics? Now I don't know. Now I've said banana too many times, and now it just sounds like a crazy word. Anyway, using numbers and maths about numbers. And you are? Robert. And you want to join the Thieves Guild. That's Guild. <laughs> Guild. Start again. <laughs> and as we always like to say... Oh, God. Um... Shit. 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 Shit.